Welcome to Bark's podcast, featuring news, interviews and information from the pet industry. We bring you news about latest events and seminars, as well as interviews from some of the best in force-free and behavioral science-based training. We aim to create a fun, educational and informative podcast that is PPG member focused. So come along and join us, bring your questions, expertise and a dash of humor. Welcome everybody, this is Nikki Tudge with PPG and I am joined here today by my colleague and friend from the PPG Steering Committee, Judy Luther, and Lorna Winter, who is across the big pond. Everybody's lighty. Hello. Hello. How is everybody? <laughs> awesome. right. I'm wearing a jumper. It's getting quite cold a in jumper. summer, but I'm wearing a jumper. Yeah. A, a jumper. <laughs> okay. All right. So what are we here to discuss today? We are here to discuss a new corporate partner relationship that the Pet Professional Guild has with ZigZag. And the reason why we are here to discuss this is because not only is it a, a mutually beneficial and convenient partnership between two organizations that are very aligned in their approach and philosophy, but phase two of the corporate partnership will have some lovely benefits for our Pet Professional Guild members. So we thought it'd be a really great idea to do a Facebook Live so we can talk through this partnership and what this partnership means, what zigzag is, and we'll get the information straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, from Lorna. And then we'll talk about, because I'm sure Judy has some great ideas as well, but having um, looked into this app, and obviously being involved in the, in the corporate partnership, I, I have some really nice ideas as well as to how I would use this in my training business and how potentially our members can use it in their business. Yo, so where should we start? All right, let's start with a bit of formality. Um, PPG put out a news release. Uh, it was dated up to August the 23rd, but it actually went out on, I think it was August the 27th. Um, announcing this new corporate partnership with ZigZag, which is an all-in-one puppy training app designed to help puppy parents teach their puppies the core life skills needed using positive reinforcement-based methodology. Now, we'll get some information from Lorna in just a moment, but this app has been available in the United Kingdom for several months, and it is it was switched on in the US, I, I believe it started August 30th. Was that correct, Lorna, August 30th? Uh, 31st, actually. 31st. 31st, okay. So that means it's now available for puppy owners, pet professionals, anybody who's interested in the United States. Now, so ZigZag, and we'll, again, we'll get to Lorna in just a minute because I know people have got questions and I've had some questions that I'm gonna pose to Lorna. Um, phase two of this will be, that the actual app will be available to PPG members for free and there will also be a member affiliate program. So that's coming down the pipe. It's not here quite yet, but it will be. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about is, first of all, why the app was developed and the need for the app. And I think anyone that does puppy training recognizes that. Um, and as the stats uh, show out that 60% of dogs, particularly in the UK, don't get any formal training. And I think we all recognize and acknowledge that there are so many pet dog owners that just don't consider taking their dogs to a trainer for whatever reason, but may want to use an app. So this has not replaced the role of a dog trainer. It is supplemental to the role of a dog trainer. And it's the, the goal is to get as many puppy parents 
on board with crucial puppy skills and puppy socialization before as professional trainers we get the puppies when there's trouble at trouble at the mill so to speak a good old english expression so let's let's go to lorna for a minute lorna talk to us what what was, it, what was the motivation what why did the app come about what was the motivation uh, right, so I think there's probably two, there's two sides to this. The first side is um, I've been a qualified dog behaviourist and trainer since 2009 when I did my um, COPE diploma. And year on year, you know, you, you see all the case studies coming through, you see the challenges that pet owners are having with, with their dogs. And then in 2014, I joined the committee of the CAPT Association. Uh, and then in 2017, I became chair of the association. And so I got an even closer look at what all my members are dealing with on a day to day basis. And it just became really clear to me that there's an increasing amount of um, dogs now with behavioural issues. Mm -hmm. They're not coping so well in the world that we live in. I think certainly from when I was, I remember when I was young and my family bred basset hounds and we raised puppies and you know, dogs were dogs and you knew the rules, as it were, you know, never touch a dog while they're sleeping, never touch a dog while they're eating. Basic, yeah. practical thing. Yeah. It feels like that sort of educational side of things has gotten lost somewhere in the world that we live in today. And I think that the role that people believe maybe that the dog should have in their lives is maybe different to how a dog should be allowed to live. So what we're seeing is this conflict. We're seeing these um, behavioural issues. A lot of that is, is leading to dogs being abandoned into rescue. Many of them end up being euthanised. Um, and I'm seeing this getting worse year on year through all of the cases that my members are having to deal with. The second side of it was um, I'd been chatting with, you know, Carolyn Menteith, a good friend of ours, Nikki, yeah. a very long time. We've known each other quite a long time. And uh, we've always had this thing in our mind that if we can just educate owners at the early part of this ownership or even before, I mean, ideally you'd want to do it before, but that's, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. But if we can at least start to educate these people when they first bring these puppies into their homes on a mass scale, mm -hmm. then surely we can start to affect change in terms of what's happening in our society. Right. So this has been burning in the background for a long time. And then about two years ago, I was given the opportunity to start to kind of pull this together. And then Carolyn and I um, pulled together this amazing program. In fairness, Carolyn has written all the content and the lesson plans. She's uh, outstanding uh, in terms of all of that. And we've been very lucky that we, we launched it as a trial last year. And uh, off it's gone. Uh, and we, I suppose um, COVID and lockdown probably helped us initially to get started. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that wasn't certainly the case because with the lack of some physical training classes, people started looking at alternative solutions. And, and I know an app is not something that you would traditionally think is the way that we would look to train dogs and certainly you know uh, Carolyn and I are traditional uh, trainers and behaviorists um, and we you know we do one-to-ones, we do training classes, all that sort of thing. Um, but actually, we have to recognise the world is also changing and the world has changed massively in the last 18 months. So all these ideas we have of how can we bring all of this to lots of people in, in, a, in a scalable way? You can't do that in a one to one basis. It's just virtually impossible unless we had millions and millions of us trying to do all this at the same time. So it seemed like a good opportunity to try this out, um, get an app out into the market uh, and see how it works. That's kind of where it came from. Lovely. So, so let's so let's think about how. So, how did we connect with PPG? Well, I've sort of met you through um, Carolyn, and and Lorna was interested in launching it in the United States and spoke to me about it. And I was really comfortable doing this if we did it through PPG. And here's why: because the there are puppy experts that are responsible for doing 
app FAQs and um, frequently asked, sorry, frequently asked questions and sort of navigation. So Judy is going to be heading up the support for the app in the United States via the PPG Canine Committee. Correct, Judy? Correct. Correct. And everybody's super excited about it. Yeah. So, so for me, that, that's, that's fantastic because we've got this great app that's now available in the United States. And when pet owners are on the app and they need to ask a question, how do I find this? How do I find that? Or how can I do this? There are people on this side of the pond that can immediately, using a WhatsApp um, support system, can direct the puppy owners that have bought into the app to the right location on the app. So one of the questions on the, at the onset was, well, does that mean that they're sort of training um, the puppy owners? And the answer was no, it's purely a support role. However, for those puppy owners that do want additional support, we will then gear them or forward them to an appropriate Pet Professional Guild member who can then pick it up as a virtual training opportunity. Or if the puppy owner is in their location, can connect them with one-to-one -one and or group classes. So um, it sort of meets the needs of everybody. So Lorna, if anyone's on here now and they want to sort of get this app, where can they go to? Sorry, um, you cut out just, where can they get it from? Yeah, where can they go yeah. to get it? To get the app, you just go into either your Google Play Store or your Apple Store and you just search for Zigzag Puppy Training uh, right. and it should pop up instantly. Excellent. And then you just download. It's free to download and we give um, everybody gets the first lesson for free, the first chapter right. for free. And there's lots of articles and things also available to have a look around before anyone needs to pay for anything. Right. OK. So once the canine committee, the PPG canine committee had sort of got in and engrossed in this and started doing some of the training and looking around the app, <laughs> Judy, you and I had some really fun discussions about how trainers could use this app in, to support right. their own curriculums, didn't we? Yes. And I, I have to tell you, when you go in there and look at this app, it's amazing. The graphics are great. There's not a single thing that's missing, mm -hmm. not anything that, you yeah. know, somebody can think of that wouldn't be in that app and it's yeah. super easy to understand so how to use it you know I struggle because I can't find a good puppy book to recommend I'm gonna recommend this instead of a good puppy book okay. because this is going to give all that information it'll provide right. all that information right that's great that we would hope would be in a book absolutely so so Lorna I'm a puppy owner and I download the app and I join I, I pay my my it's an amazingly small fee to do this I then get like information drop down on a daily basis of things for me to do don't I yeah so the way that it works we so one of the other things that I understood um when we were building this this app it was you know there's a lot of information out there there's there are some amazing puppy books uh, certainly out in the UK I don't know whether you can get them in America um but it's not easy for an, a, a new puppy owner particularly someone who's never had even a dog before they don't even understand what, what this animal is that they're getting uh, to try and uh, disseminate all of that information into right. a sort of structured plan so yeah. uh, and what we found was lacking with most of the other apps in the market that, that are out there because there are some others is that dissemination of the information in a nice simple way so what we do we give them three things to do every day right. and that could be it could be a lesson it could be reading an article um only three things every day right. uh, and with that we're covering all those critical life skills uh, and pieces that they need to learn for those puppies to be able to cope and grow up nice and confident. Okay so so as a professional trainer when I looked at this I thought you know if I was if I was entering the marketplace today 
and I saw this app, and I think Judy and I sort of chuckled about this, I would look at the app and I would say, oh my goodness, this is my curriculum for sort of one-on-ones. What a great way as a PPG member, if I can access the app free, therefore I can see what's going on in it. First of all, I would make it a part of anyone signing up for my puppy class. So if someone signed up for a virtual puppy class or private one-on-ones or a group class, I would actually package the app as part of that because I would then use that in terms of allocating homework, giving them support, providing resources for them. And I think it's going to enable members to, to be able to provide these really good quality, progressive educational support systems that would cost a fortune or in either time or money if you want to develop to develop similar processes in your own business. I mean, that that is certainly how I would use it. Yeah, I think um, I think. So Nikki, I think for me, that's the key thing here is, you know, everybody is out there. And, and certainly when I first qualified as a trainer and a behaviorist, that was one of the things I really struggled with was where do I start? Right. How do I even begin to know to take all this knowledge that I've learned, practically start to apply that? So I think it's particularly relevant for trainers coming in who might be new into the industry, right. starting out in their careers or new to running puppy classes even, mm-hmm. um, because also the app is really targeted at younger puppies so we we start working with them from the age of eight weeks and and that is typically before any of anyone would normally be going to a physical puppy class anyway because of vaccinations or you know some of the little toy dogs don't come home till 12 weeks so we start working with them really young at a really young age which gives them a really nice solid foundation before they then start to come into your physical one-to-one training classes as well so i think it's a perfect way to start integrating all of that from early days, bringing that into when you're then going to start seeing them in your training classes from about 12 weeks onwards, right through until they then graduate uh, from from zigzag and from your training classes. Yeah, absolutely. Judy, you were going to say something. Do you want to jump in there? Yeah, um, I do start seeing puppies at eight weeks. And I actually, when I was teaching classes, I had classes that started at eight weeks, you know, with all the safety measures put in place. But I would use this in a class situation as a homework mm-hmm. type you know everybody do week one let's go back and you know when we see you next week we're going to go over everything um but in private one-on-ones there's no reason why you can't use it as your structure as your homework platform for people as well Mm -hmm. so it can be used in any type of setup any type of situation even if you're doing virtual yeah opposed to in person Absolutely. Let's just let's just reflect back because when you and I first spoke, Lorna, I was really surprised. Um, and I don't know why I was so surprised because I didn't get my first dog until I was in my late 30s. I mean, I'd literally been overseas. I'd just come back to the U.S. I'd just come to the U.S. There was no back about it. I'd just come to the U.S. was living in Hawaii and got my first dog. And I don't think I would have even considered a dog trainer um, had I... I mean, I just, I had this puppy and just went, oh crap, what, I've just got this, what, what have I got? Literally, I mean, you know, I was, I mean, I remember taking her for a little walk one day and I literally came back in tears and said to my husband, she's out there, she's on the trail, because I'd left her. No, I mean, not far, she was like a hundred meters because yeah. she, she'd li- literally chewed my ankles to pieces and I couldn't get her off my ankles. She was a, a Kelpie and I had no idea what I was doing. Blimey. Yeah, and my husband's is sort of very typically an academic engineer type. He said, well, let's find a specialist that can help us. And honestly, if I, if I hadn't have been with him, I, I'm not sure what I would have done. Um, I don't think it would have occurred to me that I should contact a dog trainer. Um, and I know for a lot of people, they do have this block about 
they'll happy to go to a dentist or a doctor or a plumber or an electrician, but when they have a problem with their dog or when they get a puppy, they don't think I need an expert to help me. So, yeah. so there are some people that just wouldn't think about it. And there are other people that for whatever reasons would rather use tech. There are some people that would just rather use technology and remove the service provider from that mix. And they're the types of people that the app was specifically generated yes. for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so as you mentioned earlier, there's around 60% of people of, of, of dog owners mm. um, that actually never do any official kind of training. Official training meaning going to see a trainer or going right. to classes. Right. And there are 12% that, that have never done any work with their dog whatsoever. And a lot of the reasons for that, uh, like you've mentioned, various reasons, but convenience is one of them. I think one of the and certainly it's one of the things I struggled with at a point in my life was a particular area I was living in. I couldn't find a puppy trainer close to me. This is the, before the days of the Internet and, and the amazing world we're living now. I couldn't find one close enough to me to get to uh, on the days or the evenings right. or the weekends where I was available. So there's a convenience factor there. Um, there's, there's a second thing is that a lot of people think they can just do it themselves. Oh, how hard. How hard can it be? Yeah. I think we hear yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know, there, 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 for some reason, is this perception in the world we live in today that you can just bring this thing into your home and it's magically going to know how to behave well, and do I, everything. I, 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 jokes aside, I have always said that everybody thinks they can make love, drive and raise a puppy. They just think that part of our DNA gives you these skills <laughs> to do all those three things. And you only have to, yeah. go out on the, you only have to go out on the road to know that a lot of people don't take driving as a team sport, which is what it is. So, yeah, there yeah. are. Yeah. And you actually. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what we were aiming for. We were aiming to try and reach these people in a way that they're used to behaving in today. So today is a very technologically savvy world. People live and breathe on their phones, on their apps. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is why we thought, well, let's try um, reaching these people in a way that they've never had the opportunity of before. And let's make it as easy as we possibly can for them. Take away all these barriers that might feel complicated yeah. and yeah. and it's very very interesting because we have puppy owners who are you know in their 20s in their early 20s and we have using the app and we have puppy owners in their late 60s and 70s using the app so yeah. don't just think that this is something that only the young people do because actually right. older people are now catching up people like me yeah. are starting to you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get it's, used it's, to this it's, it's funny because I'm about to get a new phone and I told my husband I'm getting a jitterbug I'm going to go you know the jitterbug the big old people phones with the big numbers on them they have no smart technology at all because I'm just yeah. I'm, so, I'm so over technology <laughs> um, and I, I want to go back to a point you made and I, I'm not sure if Judy picked up on this but the, something else that I picked up on while you were talking is that because I hear this all the time from our men Members who get devastated and get upset because they just are not enough hours in the day to be helping all yeah. the pet owners right now, particularly people that have got puppies. And often, and I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but it certainly is in the US, sometimes you don't live close enough to somebody else that shares your philosophy that you feel comfortable referring. So, yeah. so for me, if my schedule was booked and I had somebody who needed help, I would probably be able to squeeze in grab the app, start working on it, and then next week we'll jump on a virtual and I can help guide you through that process without having to fully immerse into that. That for me would be far more favorable than saying somebody, I'm sorry, I'm fully booked for the next three months, I just can't help you. Yeah, Particularly and I think- I can't refer. 
And I think even with the ability to do virtual training now, which we all have, which is which is working fantastically well. Um, but you know, if anyone who isn't doing that yet, certainly I encourage you all just to start looking at it. Yeah. Um, even with that, you're still one person and you still right. only have so many hours in a day where you can physically talk to people, yeah. even in a group setting. So I think this is this is why um, we were super keen to just try this, get this out there. If we can start to impact hundreds of thousands or even millions of puppies worldwide, um that would just be you know what if i died tomorrow and i knew that this was going to live on i would die happy because for a long time that's been a huge passion of mine is how can i change fundamentally the welfare of pets companion animals yeah Um, and i genuinely believe that you know zigzag is a way that we can really start to do that right excellent so give give us an example of maybe a few things that somebody might get in their first one or two days and 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 do, and how do people, does everyone get the same information, or is that information tailored based on the age of their dog, the breed of their dog? How does that process work? Yeah, so when they when they sign up to the app, we ask them their breed of their puppy, the age of their puppy, mm-hmm. and we are personalising the uh, program based on their age and their breed. Uh, we're also personalising it a little bit on owner's lifestyle. So if they have gardens or if they don't have gardens, if they live with cats, do they need to integrate with other dogs? We're still working on a lot of that. There's more of that content to come. Um, but yes, we, we are personalising by breed because uh, all of you, well, I'm sure, will know every dog is different. Every dog is an individual. Uh, it's a journey. Even with the same breeds of dogs, yeah. your dog is going to do something differently to somebody else. Yeah. So we tailor the programme to that individual and their puppy and that lifestyle. Uh, it's very complicated on the back end um we're trying to make it as simple as we can on the front end but to me that was another really important part of the program and what we're presenting um one size doesn't fit all that just simply doesn't work uh with with puppies and you know even in our app if if we're trying something if we're presenting a a lesson to someone and they come back and they say oh i'm struggling with this because my dog's not really getting this that's why we have the people on the other end of the whatsapp or the instant chat to say well maybe you could try this yeah. which is an alternative way of, of doing something uh, and why we have the FAQs and we're building a much more extensive FAQ um, continuously right. throughout the app. So in the first kind of week, they'll get their settling in lessons, uh, depending on the age of the puppy, of course. But if they're coming in at eight weeks, we'll take them through how to settle them in for their first night, how to manage the toilet training, the sleep training. We start to get them already exploring surfaces. We start to get them listening to sounds, storm sounds very quietly. So we're starting to get them listening to some of these novelty things that uh, they're going to start to need to get used to as well as you know the fun things because as much as uh, you know for me as a trainer teaching your puppy to sit is not a critical developmental life skill thing um people want to be able to make their puppies sit and you know show off to their friends and so we also have all the fun stuff in there we have the most important thing that we put in the weeks one and two is the bonding and the play because the critical part of all of this is building that relationship between the puppy's uh, parents and, and the puppy, getting them connected, getting them to, to understand each other. Oh, I love hearing the conversations uh, coming through about I'm starting to understand his body language. I love it when I see those little messages coming through because, you know, you're kind of getting there and there yeah, and yeah. they're doing all the right things. So that's what we're what we're going for in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. So, which, and I'm sure that's music to Judy's ears because I know how passionately Judy feels about relationship and trust and, and that sort of really cool bonding stuff. Yeah. Because I think it's what all... gets a puppy started. It's, it's right. what gets the puppy started yeah. off well. So it's yeah. critically important to include that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, I mean, I know when I've 
brought Doogie home and I need to reference Doogie because she's the first dog in 20 years that I've had that I actually got as a puppy so I, I had to sort of god to get my act together with that um that was a, that was a smack around the head a friend of mine a friend of mine just got a puppy and has like you have no idea what you're getting into if you when you don't have a puppy for 20 years and you get a puppy and you bring it into your home oh my god what I, do you know what Nikki this, this is honestly this is where I'm at right now. I've had rescue dogs for the last 20 years and I haven't had puppies in my home since I was about 13 years of age. Right. So um, the next dog will be a puppy. We've yeah. made that decision already. And I'm utterly terrified. I, I have all this amazing... Be terrified. Dogs. You should be terrified. <laughs> I mean, I at the dogsmith, we have for our dogsmiths this amazing puppy manual that literally talks about everything a pet owner does with a puppy from day one. And it goes all the way through you know, until they sort of meet team with all the training handouts and everything else. And when I got Dookie, I was like, I've got to rewrite all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like, there's two operations. There's the standard operating procedure and then there's the actual reality I'm of sure. what happens. <laughs> You know, yeah. I think I think that's the most important thing. I think yeah. we can all sit here and say, oh, here's the perfect way of doing this. And, and and unfortunately, I think that's what a lot of what you get on the Internet is here is the perfect way to do this. And in a lot of these set up here is the perfect way to do it. I think that's what um, that's what's great about us having this support team in place is the fact that, you know, people can come to you and say this right. isn't working for my puppy or I'm struggling with this lesson or how do mm -hmm. I. Um, and we can help them and we can switch yeah, lessons right. around and, and they can flip back and forth and they can repeat and yeah. practice. Uh, at their own pace, well, depending on what their puppy is capable of doing. So there's, there's so many variables with the environmental pressures that are put on a puppy. You can't account in a training plan for all of those variables. No. No. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I talk about puppies. I mean, in 20 years of training, I've been involved in training hundreds of puppies, even with sort of uh, board and train canine slumber party type, you know, training. We owned an animal hospital and pet resort many years ago. We actually converted a little cottage into a puppy small dog house that was all geared yeah. up for puppies and little dogs. So we, we did a lot of that. But when when that puppy is in your home for 24 hours a day and at four o'clock in the morning, it's screaming or it's suddenly at eight o'clock at night when you're home from the office and you're exhausted and suddenly it's puppy witching hour. It's yeah, a yeah. whole, it's a, I mean, I can't tell you how many of my buddies I'd be calling at eight o'clock going, hey! Uh, yeah, I think I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't realised, um, I suppose how stressful people are finding it today. I, I, I don't know, when I was young and growing up, I mean, we were breeding puppies and we would have eight puppies running around until they were eight weeks old, basset hounds as well, you know, yeah. not the easiest of breeds. Yeah. And, and I just think it was easy as pie because I guess my mum and dad did all the work and yeah. I never noticed them being particularly stressed. But now I see it and I see, you know, I, I, I talk to puppy owners every single week. So we interview them, we, we get feedback constantly yeah. um, on what we're doing so we can always continue to improve. And, and it, is, it is actually incredible how stressful Mm -hmm. how pressured they feel, how time poor they feel. I think even the fact that they feel like trait, tra and, and even training is the wrong word. I, I don't particularly like using training um, because to me, it's more just about uh, shaping these puppies yeah, and helping yeah. them understand how to live in the world and giving them confidence. It's, it's not really training, but right. they think of it as something additional to yeah. everything else they have to do. And, and yeah. I still need to work a lot more on this, I think, in terms of how we're communicating zigzag. Um, I really want the puppy owners to realize that this isn't additional yeah. to everything you're doing with your puppy. You should be it's doing all of this, integrating yeah. it when you're walking, yeah. when you're playing, when yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. Do all the little things yeah. that we're asking you to do. So yeah. that makes it 
much more manageable, I think, in, in their eyes. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off even going to training classes is this idea of it's extra work and well, it's homework. Right. And, I mean, people, I mean, um, you know, I mean, I know with Doogie, when I raised Doogie and I brought her into a house with an 11-year-old little dog that was not a very well-socialized dog because of uh, rescue issues. And I knew it was going to be hard work, but I suddenly, a friend of mine said to me on the phone, she said, when I was on the phone to her one night saying, I don't know what to do with this puppy. Um, she said to me, um, it's amazing when you've had your own puppy, how much empathy you suddenly have for your puppy client. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, oh my God, she's absolutely right. And I, th I think it was Michelle Mariatti, who's on our equine committee. I was laughing with her one night and we were talking about how all puppy training should be done, when, if you're going to meet with a trainer, should be done at eight o'clock at night, because that's when they are <laughs> at their wildest. <laughs> when they're absolutely bonkers before they go to bed. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, yeah. Tend to do, we tend to do, we tend to bring puppies into class when they probably would be at home snoozing. Um, when we yeah. should be and, of course, and of course... That's another issue that I, I, I hear from a lot of puppy owners. Um, I was speaking to somebody only last week and she said, the problem is I go to my puppy training class and if my pup is, my pup might be really sleepy or tired or not in the mood for training and then, or, and so there's that. So she says, so then my puppy doesn't necessarily really grasp what's going on right. too she says I, I always forget what the trainers told me even though she gives me a handout um and so i think that's what's really nice if you can if we can start to integrate zigzag within these training plans then it's yeah. much easier for them to remember what they need to do because we're giving them daily reminders they can do it in their own time when the puppy right. is at the right time to train um and then you you know then those one-to-ones are really all about just checking in how it's going having some of that um one-to-one discussions with the trainer ask all yeah. those questions you might not have the opportunity to ask and also the opportunity for the puppies to meet and socialize with other puppies in a nice controlled environment because Absolutely. that's the most important element for me in terms of um one-to-one -one and physical puppy training classes it's really how do we make sure that these puppies are learning socialization in the right controlled ways because yeah. uh, i you know don't get me started on socialization nikki you know how i feel about what no, people think is socialization I these well I, I know but i have to tell you there's been a lot there's been a lot of discussions over the last year um in terms of socialization because everybody felt that because of covid it was going to be so detrimental to puppies but i think mm. in some ways some puppies have actually benefited because the type of socialization they would have been exposed to would have probably got them off on the wrong foot whereas not having any socialization may have been yes. yeah I, I agree I, I think what's happened with some of these what we call in lockdown puppies is yeah. they've actually learned a little bit of life skills they, they've learned a little bit about the world they've learned most importantly about self-control and managing frustration mm -hmm. uh, before they're going into an environment where they're stimulated by maybe lots of other dogs they've probably mm -hmm. met a few other dogs on a quiet one-to-one -one walk so yeah. then when you put them in a position where they're in a puppy class they're they're quite controlled uh, in in their in their responses yeah. because they're a bit more mature about it rather than going into these puppy classes at a much younger age where they they're almost in a way just let loose with these emotions oh, and, and I, 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 I saw it with my own puppy I mean I've had Doogie three years and I took her to three puppy classes I hit all the puppy classes in the area Monday Wednesday Friday we were going off to puppy class and two of them I actually several times in the middle of class I picked her up very gently and walked out and went home and when the trainer phoned me I said look 
because of the structure of the class and what's happening there, my puppy's actually learning to be a bully because there yeah. was, there's no supervision. She is literally, all she's learning is how to bounce off the end of her leash, how to bark at the puppy next to her and how to get frustrated. And I don't want my puppy learning those kind of behaviors. So yeah. sometimes at the age we put them into puppy class, they're not really emotionally ready for it. No, that's true. And, right. and I think, but there are also the other, the other side where some people have felt like they, it still astounds me, but some people think because of lockdown, they couldn't take their puppy anywhere or go out or do anything. Right. And those are the one, those yeah. are the ones that genuinely we're starting yeah. to see now who, who are struggling uh, overall in life. And I, and I think, again, yeah. you know, even even if we could have had the opportunity to get something like zigzag into those people's hands at that time, we weren't quite ready then when right. lockdown first right. started. Um, you know, maybe we would have had a little bit of a an impact because even just walking your puppy down to the end of the drive, holding it in your arms, yes. showing yeah. them the traffic, those kinds of things, mm -hmm. the amount of people that reply and say, "Oh, I never would have even thought of doing that." Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Or just or just going on a park bench and watching the world go around, or and watching the world car, go by, mm -hmm. just driving around uh, the car. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and it's funny because I, you know, I just when I was growing up, this was the sort of stuff we just did. It was. Mm -hmm. It was inherently just how you raised a pup. Well, and I, mean, I don't know where in society yeah. where that kind of got lost, but well, it has. I mean, it's got well, here's a question for Judy, because we're both mm -hmm. from the UK and I remember in the, and we're all similar age. I mean, I remember in the UK growing up, I mean, first and foremost, we didn't have pets because my brother was massively allergic, asthmatic, but all our neighbors had pets and all our friends had pets. And there was nothing unusual about walking down to the news agents with your dog behind you, um, because there was no traffic and dogs, yep. dog, all the dogs were so well socialized. They didn't care about other dogs because they saw them every day. They weren't on leashes. They weren't biting and growling at people. They yep. were just well-adjusted dogs. And I don't know yep. if it was the same here, it's, Judy, back in the sort of um, I, I think what we see here, there's so many leash laws. You can't yeah. do that. And once you hook a leash on a dog, they've lost control it, it, and they've yeah. lost choices, right? Yeah. So they don't have the choice to feel yeah. safe. Yeah. They don't feel safe on a leash. Yeah. And so that's a big component. But I also think that you have people that either expect too much or don't expect enough from their puppies. And they aren't taking them places and doing things. Yeah. They're not sitting in the car alongside them as they go to the feed store or the grocery store yeah. or the bank. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or I shouldn't say grocery store because yeah. I, I go in and I'm not going to leave my dog out. But, you know, my dogs, the minute I get them, my first trip of carrying them, of course, is to my bank mm -hmm. because my bank says all dogs come on in. We want to yeah. see them. Mm -hmm. And so they're just so accustomed to it. But a lot of people don't have mm -hmm. that access. Mm -hmm. And then they just don't think they can take them. But I wonder in terms of the chicken and the egg, I mean, what came first? Mm -hmm. did, did our behavior towards dogs change, which put, put more pressure on them, which so gradually they started to behave in ways that then enacted the sort of litigious part of our society? Or did some lawyers just decide that we can't have dogs, you know, living this sort of more free reign? I don't understand which came first. All I can say is that I can look back at my childhood. I mean, even as a 15, 16 year old going into the pub with my parents, there were always dogs everywhere. Yeah. Under yeah. tables, oh, out yeah. by the front yeah. door, they were everywhere and they were really well behaved and right. nobody was going to dog trainers. No, and even a dog walking around the street, you knew whose dog it was. Yeah, it was just so it was John's, John's dog, yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a common I, thing. I, I, I think it's probably connected to as our lifestyles have evolved and we've become 
Uh, I don't know. I suppose a world of convenience. We throw things away rather than try and reuse. We don't repair anymore. We've got more cars, more traffic on the road. It's not so safe. All of these things coming yeah. together. I think it's been a very gradual, gradual, slow evolution um, of, of how we're how we're living today. But I, I, you know, it just it just got to a point where I I think, and certainly all my all my behaviourists and trainers are seeing it. It's heartbreaking. It's yeah. utterly heartbreaking when you're dealing with a case with a dog that you end up needing to euthanize because this dog is so incredibly stressed with life and cannot live in this world. And you know that that could have been prevented if they right. had just had a fairly decent level of socialization and life skills in those first four months of puppyhood. Because once you get past that kind of first four or five months, they're pretty robust mm -hmm. generally, unless something really traumatic happens. You've kind of yeah. embedded a really good solid foundation yeah. uh, and that it's just not happening. And I think it is this almost it's this throwaway culture. It's this almost handbag designer dog culture. Ooh, just hate even thinking about that. Um, you know, so yeah. So, I mean, this is why I'm I'm hoping that what we've got with ZigZag is a way to try and, and kind of combat yeah. this sort of uh, evolutionally kind of cultural yeah. thing that we've ended up with. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, I know at PPG we're talking about rolling out a pet owner publication because we need to get some really good advocacy out there that's not forced on people. It's just fun and informative, and because I, because I sometimes wonder when you when you look around. Is it really easy? How easy is it for a, a, and I'm not talking about a hobbyist who's had multiple dogs in their life. I'm talking about a new pet owner who's not had a dog before. Where do they really go to get really yeah. good information? Now, you know, 20, I remember back in when I was in Hawaii, which is my reference point when I came back to the US, it was 2000. And um, the only books that were available for me with my puppy was The Monks of New Skeets. Brian Killimore and um, what Barbara Woodhouse. Oh, Barbara uh, Woodhouse. <laughs> I mean, all three of them were just dreadful. But now yeah. the shelves are full. Oh. And I sometimes yeah. wonder if it's actually more difficult for pet owners now because there's so much. And it's really hard for them to decide or to make decisions about what's the best way to raise my puppy. Because you literally I think have everything, don't you, from... You have everything. And also, you know, not forgetting we're a completely unregulated industry. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, who who's doing it in what kind of methodology right. uh, is difficult. Um, who is right and who is wrong. Uh, there's obviously conflicting information out on the Internet. Uh, you know, we, you and I, Nikki and Judy and the organisations that we represent very much follow the latest scientific positive reinforcement because clearly that's the right way. Uh, you know, animals and yeah. dogs in particular are sentient animals with feelings, um, you know, but there's so much out there. And I think it's really difficult for people to navigate. I think in the UK, people tend to default to the big charity organisations like the Dogs Trust, <clears throat> excuse me, and Battersea um, because they're seen as probably uncommercial unbiased right. uh, yeah. a kind of a trusted yeah. source um so so that's probably their starting point but i know a lot of them just live and breathe and go to youtube and they find yeah. all sorts of yeah strange things on youtube yeah. uh, and, and i know tiktok is, is a very big emerging channel in this area as well yeah. so anybody anybody is putting information out there and, and it's incredibly complicated and, and difficult and i hear this all the time from the people using the app one of the one of the questions i always ask them when when we're chatting is you know how did you find us and, and what made you kind of download our app? What made you think yeah, that we could yeah. be trusted? And they're like, well, you know, I've read all these different things on the internet and I was getting very confused and 
you just seemed you know to really know what you were talking about and you kind of reinforced other stuff that I had seen elsewhere and right. it's you're very and you're very easy to use and you know and I think that's the thing it's it's how do we help puppy owners navigate this really complicated world which is why Nikki as you know we're working on the charter as, as yeah. one of the yeah one of the big ways we're hoping that we yeah. can start to change that and just make lives a lot easier for people uh, and, and, and in some ways, and I'm sort of going to throw, I, I think this is accurate. I mean, I'm not, I don't go, I haven't been to the UK for a couple of years because of COVID, but I was very pleasantly surprised. And Judy knows how bad it is here, particularly in certain, in certain areas of the country, it's worse than others. And um, I was amazed when I went to the UK last time and I said to my girlfriend, Sue, and they have a dog and we took him for a walk. And I think in the space of about three hours walking through Richmond Park, I only saw one dog on a choke collar. And that for me, that was amazing. Now in the US, if I take my dog out here, I am lucky to find a dog that's on a harness or not on a prong yeah. choke collar. Yeah. So the, well, the, in, it, it is a different landscape in the UK, absolutely. We also yeah. have issues here with people will hire the trainer that's driving the nicest vehicle with their logo all on the side. Yeah, We have yeah. a shot color company that everybody's driving Hummers. Well, guess what? They look very, sexy, very successful. Isn't it? Very sexy. Yeah. yeah. And, and they look very successful. Mm -hmm. But in reality, mm -hmm. and they're charging, you know, four grand for a puppy yeah. to be trained for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon trained. So, yeah. And yeah, so people get turned off of it by that. So they can't afford yeah. it in many cases. And, yeah. you know, other times they can't, they do afford it and they get it. And then they're stuck with a puppy that has, you know, problems yeah. as a result. Yeah. yeah. So and this is affordable, which will help. Absolutely. And, and as well, I mean, Judy, you were on our, we have an advocacy panel that kicked off its first advocacy meeting last week on Facebook Live. And we were talking about how do you best advocate for positive reinforcement training? And it was interesting because Dr. Carolina Westland had just put a blog out the day before about and had in there some information about the backfire effects. And it, it actually made me laugh because I'd just been doing a lot of research into that said phenomena. Um, and I think the great thing about the puppy app is that it's it's out there showing you how you can train your puppy in a non-confrontational, scientific, humane, ethical way that's fun. And that's what we need to be doing. There's no point in us being out there bashing other professionals. And, yeah. and, and, and in, in some ways, I remember a few years ago, a couple of members of PPG were out there bashing another trainer. And, and I approached them and said, you just, you can't do this. It's not professional. But more importantly, if you really don't like the way this person's training, you are providing all their marketing for them. Because yes. you are basically giving them this massive platform. You're giving them a platform, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all to be doing that. It really doesn't. No, it's very, it's very frustrating. Um, and I and I get it because my trainers and behaviorists all the time within my organization uh, are saying oh we need to comment on this and i'm yeah. like no no you don't what you need yeah. to do is just keep doing what you're doing you need to keep exactly. spreading the word yeah you need to keep getting yourself out there referrals yeah. by the vets referrals by breeders you know get yourself known spread the word on social media yeah. keep showing what you're doing show why what you're doing is working right. so well right and it's the yeah. best way to combat this and you're right we've made progress in the uk um to you know compared to maybe where you are in america and in other markets yeah. we've you know shot collars are now banned in scotland uh, i think in wales 
uh, we're getting there in England. Um, you know, we don't see choke chains very much anymore um, or spray collars or any of that. And we're very much, I would say, predominantly more of a positive reinforcement uh, country than than maybe some other other countries. It's taking a long time. Um, you know, certain television celebrities don't help that, that come over here. Um, but then we have some other TV celebrities that are very good at, at doing what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, sadly, that's the bit you're always combating. You're combating the entertainment industry and, and, you know, quite often good training, which takes time. It's not a quick fix. Uh, it's, it's not entertaining. For, it's, for it's not, yeah, it's, it's not sexy, is it? It really isn't sexy, exactly. unless, you, unless you do it. Uh, I mean, it's just not. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I mean, there, there, are, there are certainly some differences, but I think, um, you know, we're really, really clear at ZigZag, you know, our guiding principles are very much focused on, you know, positive reinforcement. Dogs are not wolves, uh, absolutely not. Uh, they're just not. So let's not treat them like they are. Um, they're sentient. They have feelings, you know, bonding, emotions, super, super important in terms of just even starting that foundation. Right. Uh, and that's and that's what we're all about. And also, we're always going to continuously be optimising and updating because there's always new scientific evidence coming through. Absolutely. And that's the most exciting bit is having that opportunity to pass all this new information on instantly to hundreds of thousands yeah. potentially millions of puppy owners rather than have it dribble out over 20 years we yeah. can we yeah. can get all this up pretty quickly yeah the, the other thing i want, wanted to mention and i i hear more and more people speaking about this now which makes me really pleased is that when i first started dog training and it's i don't know judy when did you first start dog training what was your when did you first become 20 over 27 years ago yeah so before me i mean i so, I, I started off as a hobbyist yeah. in 2000 and opened my first school as a part-time hobby in hawaii teaching agility and it wasn't until 2008 9 that i opened my first full-time business but anyone that came into dog training the first thing they did because it was considered the easiest was puppy classes and yet yes. and yet didn't they anyways so i'm going to teach puppy classes and i and my i always felt that was that they did that because puppies weren't dangerous. There was potentially not a puppy that was going to savage you or bite you or hurt you. Um, yeah. You weren't really walking into a situation that your lack of experience could put you in trouble. But actually to teach puppies, you need to be at the top of your game because what you're doing is so important to their future development. And I've actually almost gone the other way now. It's almost like, well, you really shouldn't be teaching puppies unless you understand emotional learning and a little bit of neuroscience and certainly Pavlovian conditioning and operant. I mean, you need to know yeah. all of that because and habituations. Right. I mean, that has got to be, got, so, so the other reason why I'm really pleased with the app is because I'm hoping that if you've got junior trainers that maybe don't know as much as they not they should because they haven't been on, on the planet long enough that they haven't got the experience that the app is a great support for them in, in in that regard in terms of helping navigate them through because i don't think you're ever going to get a situation where a dog trainer doesn't take a puppy class because they've only been in business for a year i mean i just don't ever see that happening but they certainly it's almost like they have a silent mentor somebody that can yeah can help I, I know, I know, um, I know actually quite a lot of trainers in the UK and I, and I think this is why there is a problem or I was seeing a bit of a problem with availability. Um, a lot of trainers have stopped doing puppy classes because they're really hard. They're hard work. Um, yeah. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of energy. Uh, you know, quite often you'll have a 50% dropout rate. So, you, you know, you, people will thankfully pay up front, um, but half of them will drop out and you'll end up with two people in a class and 
how is that going to help your socialization plan uh, right. if you've only got two companies left? So I know a lot of people who actually stopped doing puppy classes because they are really challenging and quite difficult. And they've switched to doing just more behavior consults or, you know, normal dog training um, in, instead of puppies. So I agree with you. I think I think it's a, a real mis, misperception that it's an easy thing to do. I see right. why. I agree. You know, they're cute, they're easy. You could, in in theory, just almost let them run around and consider that a puppy class. I've seen that done lots of times uh, for, for what's considered a training class mm. um, without without much obvious kind of uh, negative outcome. Right. But of course, you don't, you don't see that until further down the line. <laughs> so well, I, I can see how that. But I mean, but they just, I mean, I, I go back to, I mean, when I took Doogie through puppy classes when she was a puppy, I mean, I literally went back and rewrote all our manuals and everything because I realized that, and it, not just from the puppy's experience, but from the pet owner's perspective, what, and I also, to be fair, I also looked at how many puppy owners were actually dropping out of class. And by week three and four, most of them had dropped out. And two of the what two of them in the one of the classes I had actually became good friends of mine. I sort of co-opted their puppies as Doogie's lifelong friends because I thought they were cute and invited them around to our 24 acres to play with kids <laughs> loved. Um, and they told me it's because they just didn't feel that they were learning anything. And they weren't because because the, it wasn't a structured environment for them. Um, and I think it goes back to what you said earlier. I think we forget sometimes, but we're supposed to be setting the pet owners up with the skills they need to, yes. then, to then do that training at home and to understand where to go from there. Exactly, exactly. Because um, they can only do so much in that one hour that you've got right, from there. And if the puppy right. isn't in the right frame of mind. So, and even with Zigzag, our role isn't to train puppies. It's to educate and train right. the owners. The owners. To, yeah. For them to train the puppies, because right. they're going to do all the work. It's, it's, right. it's not us that's doing the work. Um, and I also one of the one of the other interesting pieces of feedback that we get for why people don't go into puppy classes and, you know, not to be too gender specific here, but quite often with the men, this is something that we're hearing. They don't feel comfortable going to a physical training class because they don't want to look silly or doing something wrong or like they're not good enough. So yeah. I, I feel like maybe a lot of people either don't go or they drop out because there's this fear of what others think of them, which is why we're actually seeing quite a high percentage of men using our app as well. Yeah, uh, which you know, is surprising. And, and that's a really good point because I remember as a young trainer, and I'm I'm a, I'm embarrassed about some of the things I did as a young trainer, but we all learn, hopefully we learn from this. Absolutely. I mean, I remember at a puppy class many years ago, looking at the at the male owner and going, "Come on, be Ronald McDonald. You've got to be fun. This dog needs fun. Use a high pitched voice. Get animated." And he did, and he felt stupid, and he didn't come back. Yeah, I, yeah. I probably yeah. wouldn't have done either. And when I reflect back on that, I think to myself, why would a trainer, me, be trying to create an environment that is not a natural environment, that's not going to form the foundation of their relationship? Because he's not going to behave like that at home. You have to yeah. look, look at the owner and look at how their relationship's going to work together, not how I would like you to behave with your puppy. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think we do a lot of that. And I think we do, we tend to do it with men because men tend to be a bit more stoic in our classes, don't they? They sort of come there with a, a bit more stoicism and we have to sort of say, come on, get, get with the program, get happy, get, get fun. And, and, yeah. actually, and actually, that's very judgmental to do that. And I, mean, I actually cringe when I think about some of the staff. You think, oh, my yeah, God. And I think, and I think they're feeling really quite uncomfortable because uh, they're yeah. in a situation where they're probably surrounded by mostly females right. who are all chit-chatting and quite comfortable yeah. and yeah. you know um talking in these high-pitched voices with their puppies yeah. uh, 
And, and I don't know, they're probably feeling a bit uncomfortable. That's not their natural style. Maybe the wife made them go to the public training class and they don't really want to be there. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on. And I, and I think it can also work, you know, the other way with, with some women as well. It's, you know, it, I think there is just, everybody needs to be able to do this in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Otherwise, they're not going to go away and build that bond with that puppy if it's if it's a fake relationship that you're trying to force on them right. because of how you want them to right. act in that one hour they're there with your puppy training class. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's I think there's an awful lot of that. And, and we know that social media uh, just adds pressure to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is showing off what their puppies are doing. And there's this pressure to make sure that my puppy is keeping up and doing the same and all the rest of it. And if we're all in the puppy class together, oh, you're better than me. Oh, my gosh, your dog just did that. And mine's rubbish. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to come back if mine's the most rubbish puppy in the class. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go and hide in the corner in shame. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I can see why that happens. I find it quite funny, actually, and I don't know if you ever found this, Judy, but when I used to do a lot of puppy classes, it was always the puppy in week one and two that was a little bit reserved and wasn't really quite getting it. That was always the puppy that would expect crazy. Yeah, in yeah. week seven or eight. And I used to tell the owners, don't worry, everybody's going to have a turn at being the class clown. You know, every week there's going to be a different puppy that is frustrating their yeah. parents or, yeah, yeah. I used to find that and- a lot. And see, you guys had a different experience than me because I always sold classes as a couple class. So I would have the the man and the wife there. And it became a lot of fun because, you know, the guys would all develop that friendship. And it it was great, but not everybody does that. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it, you know, it's different. It was probably more different than any place I've ever seen before. I think I think in general it's just hard as well, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we expect mm-hmm. puppy owners to do things with their puppies that they don't even do time-wise with their own children. Yeah, but then yeah. and then we and it, and it goes back to that integration, doesn't it? I mean, I've always told pet owners, I'm not going to be leaving here today allocating you additional homework. All I'm asking is that we talk about how you can integrate these new skills into your everyday, already in existence um, lifestyle. And that is so much easier. I mean, I mean, honestly, and I'm not a parent. How many people do we know that could somehow in their schedule suddenly find four 30 minute sessions a week away from the distractions? I mean, they can't. I mean, most people just cannot. They just can't. No. And it's it's not that's not good for the puppies either to have right. a 30 minute training session. Yeah, right. You know, I tell people while you're making a cup of coffee, practice a behavior three yeah. times and that's yeah. your session for the day after yeah. that time frame. And it's realistic, yeah. isn't it? And, and everybody can do mm-hmm. that. That's really realistic. People can do it. We're not creating expectations that they can't fulfill because we create these expectations. They can't fulfill and then they feel like a loser and they fall off the bandwagon and then they don't come back to class. And it's- Yeah, and I think, I think that's one of the things that's one of the things that um, I was I was getting a feeling for in the very early days when we were talking to puppy owners is their expectations are incredibly high for yeah. their puppies and yeah. themselves. Um, yeah, and even 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 today, I was reading a comment from someone. <clears throat> the puppy is only nine weeks old, mm-hmm. so it's it's been in home barely a week, and they're and they're sort of frustrated because their puppy hasn't learned toilet training. And I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> take a yeah. step back. Yeah. <laughs> this is so completely normal for yeah. your puppy not to have quite mastered toilet training at nine weeks. Yeah. Um, and when you tell them that's perfectly okay, and, and you know what, you're doing brilliantly, and it's just going to take a little bit longer, they kind of, the sense of relief that they get. So mm. I don't know where this pressure is coming from, possibly the social media, possibly the internet, when they see all these perfect examples. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think it's important for us when we deliver the program to them on zigzag and you know when that's integrated in with your training and your classes they take it at their speed mm-hmm. of course we want the puppies to learn certain critical things in these first 
Oh, I lost you. Kind of 10 to 12 weeks before those windows close. I think consistency and practice is, is the number one thing that they need to be doing. Right. Oh, you got me back? Yes, got you back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. consistency and practice is, you know, is is the thing. And we have some people that spend two or three weeks working on chapter one, and then we have some people that are whizzing through chapter one, and they're great. Their puppy's doing great, and they're in chapter two. And that's yeah. what it is. It's an individual journey for every single puppy, and that's what's great about having it as an app that you can do in your own time. That pressure is kind of lifted from them, I think, which is. Yeah. Something that I, again, I'm not quite sure where all this, this is coming from, but they're certainly feeling it, mm -hmm. that stress and that pressure. Yeah, it's really interesting that the comment you made about the um, house, the house training and, and, you know, people recognize it can take, I don't know, because I, I don't have children, you know, three, <laughs> three years to potty train a child, yet they expect a puppy by nine weeks. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes when you just explain to people that a puppy is just like having a toddler, yeah. And, you know, they're developing at a rate, you know, similar to how toddlers are, are kind of, suddenly a light bulb seems to go on in their mind. Certainly right. for the people who've had children, they kind of, they get it. Because um, yeah. the similarities are, you know, they're there, aren't they? If you've had children. Constant management, constant management constant, and supervision. Constant, management. constant yeah. management and supervision, yeah. And and always gently guiding and showing and reinforcing the behaviours that you want. Yeah. Which is why it's exhausting, which is why yeah. the thought of it is really terrifying. Right. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I go back to my puppy. I mean, I recognise that I'd always told pet owners every single moment of the day, your puppy is breathing, eating, sleeping. It's learning something. Make sure it's learning the right things. Make sure it's learning in an emotional, yeah. stable manner. But when suddenly it's yeah. your puppy and you're the one doing it, by six o'clock at night, it's bloody exhausting. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I had I had a rescue dog. I got him. I got Alvin. He's just walking around there um, at eight months. And you think you're past it at eight months when you yeah. get this, you know. Whew, no, I mean, to be honest, he's been, he's been a challenging, exhausting puppy until he was nearly 10 years old. So, uh, <laughs> I'm only just coming my out parents, of the <laughs> My parents would say that about me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And, but you made, a, you made a, com um, uh, a comment earlier, which I really liked, that was um, a puppy class. It's, it's not for the it's not for the puppies it's and it's to give support to puppy owners so that they know what's normal and it's funny because Pam Schultz and I were talking earlier about some of the future topics for us some of our advocacy panel discussions and um Pam reminded me that at the end of the last advocacy panel I'd asked all the panel if there was one thing that you could get over to a pet owner what would it be and Christy Benson had said I think you might remember this Judy um that just let your dog be a dog it's, it's yeah. okay for them to yeah. be a dog. And I don't think that pet owners sometimes realize that it's okay for dogs to do some of the stuff they're doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I, they, feel they, should, they feel they shouldn't be allowing their dogs to do this stuff, but they really want their dogs to do it. And when we say, oh, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. You sort of see this relief wash over them, don't you? That it's okay. like when yeah. Judy, was, Judy gave a good example about how her puppy had grabbed a toilet roll and had a, f a fun time with the toilet roll. Um, yeah, and, most, great. Most, and most people would go, oh my goodness, you let your dog play with the toilet roll. Well, it was harmless fun, isn't it? The dog loved it. Yeah. It was great. I took pictures. I've got great videos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Judy's there, you know, a professional dog trainer, putting, look at my puppy yeah. on Facebook. People are going, you let your puppy do that? Well, yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, I was major bash. 
you know, whether some of that comes from this kind of maybe the previous kind of 10, 15, 20 years, the kind of Barbara Woodhouse era uh, of, of all this control, the control, control, um, where, you know, dogs, you know, had to be completely in control all the time. I think we're hopefully we're starting to come out of that. But I, I think that's probably where that's coming from, Nikki, is people have kind of gotten quashed down with this idea yeah. of what dogs should and shouldn't yeah. be. And yeah. I think it's our it's our opportunity now to re-educate people around, you know, let dogs be dogs. If you let yeah. them be dogs, they're going to behave so much better anyway in society because right. they're going to be yeah. happy, fulfilled, they're going to have all their needs met. Okay, so chewing your shoes is probably not what you want. So give them something else to chew, but yeah. let them chew. Yeah. Chewing is yeah. amazing yeah. for dogs. And, you know? and let them bark and let them dig and let them run and let them do all the fun mm -hmm. stuff that they need, exactly. they need yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Wow. Well, I, I think what we're going to have to do, I think maybe in a couple of months, we'll have, I'll have to get you ladies back and we can talk about how it's going and, and what's yeah. the, what the feedback is. And, and just if any PPG members are listening to this, um, I do anticipate in the next few months that we might need to supplement some more members onto the Canine Education Committee to help support the app. I mean, hopefully, if the app really does well, we'll need some more people. So, um, I'm going to put Judy on the spot here and say, if you want to look at joining the Canine yeah. Education Committee, just reach out to Judy. She'll be Brilliant. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay. So I'm just going to summarise before we um, before we go because I don't want to keep you guys for too long. So um, PPG um, Zigzag is a corporate partner of PPG. The app is now available on both Google Play and the Apple iPhone Store. Not an iPhone user. Is that what it's called? The Apple Store. Apple Store. App Store. The Apple yeah. Store. The Apple Store. Um, and our canine education committee and um, are supporting the app in terms of faqs and sort of you know what's if what whatsapp questions so that's great and then in the future and we'll let you know as soon as it's available ppg members will get the app for free so that you can then um refer your clients to it and help your clients work through it as the sort of on-site professional and again we spoke earlier about just some of the really cool ways that as professionals you can use the app to support your own curriculums in your own business so it's just all really good stuff all around, really, isn't it? It's great. Very exciting. Yes. Yeah, very, very exciting. All right. So, Lorna, um, what's the website address? If someone wants to just go and have a quick look at sort of what Zigzag's all about. Uh, it's very straightforward. www.zigzag.dog. And oh. it's all on yeah. there. Yes. Lovely. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Judy, I'm going to let you sort of close us out here. Is there anything that you would like to add? Because you're the one that sort of led this program through. You're the one that's done some of the training and you're the one that we basically, um, Judy is a very, very competent, highly well thought of professional dog trainer. So when this first came up, I thought I'm going to put Judy on this because if Judy has any problems with this, she's going to be the first to let us know about it. And then, yeah, and it, it passed, it passed muster with Judy. So yeah. <laughs> at that point I was like, I'm comfortable with it. We're good. Um, I, I think that when everybody gets on there, they're going to see what a great how it's set up is just amazing. And there's been a lot of thought put forth. The graphics are great. It makes it friendly for people to use. They're going to enjoy using it. And uh, I just think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be so helpful for these puppies. And I think we'll start seeing a big difference in maybe even the behavior issues that we see from time to time as puppies okay. age. Lovely. And if any of our members have questions as we move forwards, they're obviously welcome to ask them in our PPG member group and we will answer them. And then, and if we need to, we'll yeah. come back in a month or so and we can sort of reevaluate and, and re look at what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Lovely. Super. All right. Thanks for having me, Nikki and Judy. Hello. Thank you, guys, both of you, for joining me on this Friday afternoon. What's everyone going off to do now? Any, gin and Acupuncture. 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 Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you.
It's a bit later here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I'll catch up with you later. Take care. Thank you, Have a great weekend. You, you too. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. What sets PPG apart? We are the only membership organization for professionals who subscribe to the view that aversive methods should not be used or even deemed necessary as part of a strategic training or behavior modification program. As an organization, we stand up for what we and our membership believes in. We promote ongoing advocacy initiatives and back up our positions with the latest scientific research and peer-reviewed studies. As a member of PPG, you have access to more than 30 membership benefits. So what's stopping you? Visit www.petprofessionalguild.com and explore the PPG membership.